Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. I think we're in about month three of uh, keeping our distance here. Uh, my name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish theweeklydriver.com. My colleague and friend is across the table from me in his backyard in Sacramento. It's Bruce Aldrich. Six foot plus. Six foot plus. We're having an iced coffee. It's going to be 150 degrees today in Sacramento, so we're getting going on this. But uh, hey, Bruce, um, we were talking earlier about uh, when we were growing up, we're both in our 60s, and I can, like it was yesterday, I can remember friends and family, when they were talking about getting a car, they would say, uh, well, we're only going to buy an American car. We don't like uh, those cars from other countries, da-da-da-da-da, we have to buy American. So do you remember that? Oh, yes, very vividly. And so you still hear some people talking about that, maybe not as much, but that leads into uh, our guest today, Kelsey Mays. He's a senior editor of Cars.com, and for years, uh, Cars.com has been putting out this study about uh, the cars that are made mostly in America and the percentages and how that's changed. And there's all kinds of areas to discuss, but Kelsey, thanks for being uh, our guest today, um, on the weekly driver podcast. Welcome to our program. Hey, good to be on with you guys, James and Bruce. Uh, I'm, uh, sitting in, in my basement where it is not 150 degrees. It, it feels <laughs> like it's about, it's, it, it, you know, how basements get cold no matter what. So, yes. Uh, I, I feel like I could use a little bit more of the heat that you guys are experiencing. And do you have your wine cellar down there as well? <laughs> <laughs> that, sadly, no, my, uh, my wife has a sulfite allergy, so she, she used to love wine, but you know, she's not into it as much more. We're, we're a little more into beer. You have to go, your beer's good. You have to go to France to get that non-sulfite wine, if I remember correctly, from my yeah. years at the Tour de France years ago. <laughs> People try to sneak it back. So, but, so I've heard. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, yeah. Anyway, we, we, as you guys do, you have a very good outreach program with your uh, press releases and studies and so forth. So Maybe if you could do us the honor of uh, introducing, uh, I think you guys are, what, 13 or 14 years into this, and um, what, it, what it means to start with, a general interest yeah. question. Yeah, so, so this is the third generation of the American-Made Index. We started it in 2006. We did kind of a wholesale redesign of it in 2017, and uh, we, we changed some of the methodology in 2020 here so that we could go all the way to a full index. Uh, and what that means, in, in, in the past, the index has really looked at just the top 10 or 15 vehicles um, in terms of uh, our qualifications for what constituted an American-made car. And uh, this year, we expanded it um, all the way out to 91 vehicles that are that are ranked now for the 2020 model year. Uh, and that was pretty ambitious. I mean, uh, we, we, we had to look at a very broad data set. Uh, we, we looked at a whole bunch of data from, from automakers, from, uh, from automotive news data. And we looked also at about uh, more than 300,000 kind of mid-level uh, inventory data on our own site, uh, cars that go through cars.com. And, and we went out to dealerships and we hand audited uh, about 900 vehicles. So there's, there's a pretty robust data set that goes into it. Um, and, and, and that's where we end up with, uh, with these 91 cars ranked. I love the word robust. That's just a great word. It, you know, it tells you a lot, right? Robust. It's great. Um, mm. what, what does it mean in general terms? And do you think it's still uh, re as relevant as, well, I was 65, Bruce is in his 64, 65? And well, it's I, th I think, I, I mean, it, is it the same sorry, as it on. was 50 years ago, let's say, or 40 years ago? 
Well, I think uh, you bring up a very interesting point. I mean, we, we started this back in 2006 because, you know, the badge on the hood doesn't really tell the full story. Um, in fairness, automakers that are built here do, or that are based here, I should say, uh, yes. do tend to make uh, do tend to make a lot of cars here. You know, four out of every five uh, cars that Ford sells, uh, Ford Motor Company sells in the United States, it also builds here. Um, but then you've got car companies like Honda, um, you know, based out of Japan. Two thirds of the cars that they sell here, they build here, uh, and that's actually more than GM. Um, in terms of just the percentage, the percentage of cars you sell here that you also build here. And so, you know, when you just looking at final assembly, I mean, that's impacting, you know, economies uh, across states like Ohio and Indiana and Alabama. So it's, it's pretty impactful. And, and again, you, you've got, uh, you know, that, that badge on the hood doesn't, doesn't say as much as you might think it does. And, and that's been kind of a name of, of the American made index all the way back to, uh, 2006. And it remains that way today. We're talking parts in the car, right, just so people are clear. So a Ford is built here. That doesn't mean every part on the car was built in America. That's absolutely correct. I mean, we're in such a globalized auto industry now. You're going to have uh, typically you know, the thousands of parts that go into a different vehicle. Uh, the, the, supply, the supply chains just crisscross the entire planet. And so you can have parts from you know China, India, uh, Europe, Mexico, Canada, um, and the United States, all making up a car that's built in, uh, you know, in Ohio or, or in, in Europe or something. Um, it's, it's interesting when you kind of look at the whole thing. We, we look at five primary factors. Um, we look at uh, where the car is assembled. We look at the percentage of, of parts content, and that's from the American Automobile Label. It's actually required uh, on every new light-duty vehicle sold in the country to, to publish this information. Um, and that's been around since the nineties. And what that does is that, that publishes the percentage of content that's from the U S and Canada. And so everyone says, well, why is Canada in there? Well, that's, that's cause that's what Congress decided in 1992. And, uh, so we go deeper. We, we look at engine and transmission origins as well. And we look at countries of origin for, for all available kind of drivetrain components for the car to ensure that those components have U S majority origins rather than Canadian. And so that's our kind of third and fourth leg. And then the fifth part, which the AALA has come under some criticism over the years for not really, not really including enough of a labor component, um, when you, especially final assembly labor. So we look at kind of an automaker-based uh, notion of, of factory jobs, U.S. factory workforce jobs, uh, not just at assembly plants, but at engine and transmission and casting plants and all that automaker by automaker and uh, compare that to each automaker's respective manufacturing footprint in terms of how many cars it builds in the U.S. And so that element also informs uh, some of these index scores. Uh, The index scores are on a 100-point scale, and that's finally how uh, we get to these 91 cars that are ranked. Wow, I'm totally confused. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. good explanation. Well, yeah, let's take study uh, that. the Ford Rangers, the number one on your list is the, the on the American Made Index list. So, yeah. how, what what percentage of parts are American in a Ford Ranger? Or so do you that's know? a good question. I mean, the Ranger the Ranger is a seventy percent vehicle, which is a pretty good number uh, in terms of U.S. and Canadian parts. It's got uh, U.S. origins, majority U.S. origins for for its four cylinder, two point three liter uh, EcoBoost engine. Uh, it's also got majority U.S. origins for its ten speed automatic transmission. 
and uh, you know, Ford, Ford employs a fair number of Americans at the factory level relative to uh, its vehicle production. So you put all that together, and the Ranger, the Ranger's at the top of the list. Um, it's uh, it's above the number two vehicle, the Jeep Cherokee, um, popular SUV, obviously built uh, up in northern Illinois. Um, and the number three car might surprise some folks. It's the Tesla Model S. Uh, built out in uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, and that's uh, Tesla's actually not really fully participated in the American Made Index any any years prior, but they participated this year, and they have three cars uh, in the top ten. The Model S is number three. Uh, sorry, the Model S is number three. The Model Three is number four. That's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> yes, and then at is. number nine is the Model X. Uh, all three built in California. All three uh, among the top ten. Well, I know Bruce and I talked about this earlier, and, and I'll kind of steal his question. Um, does it come into play on the number of cars manufactured by each manufacturer? So if, if you only make you know, 5,000 um, Lamborghinis, uh, could that Lamborghini on some level, probably a bad example, but could it rise higher on the list because of small numbers and some of it's made in the U.S., or is the number made not relevant so much so we do have a small cutoff we, we have a we have a baseline cutoff such that uh, if you don't if, if you're building a car out of your garage and you're using 100 percent american parts and, and and you and your five buddies are building that one car or something yes. let's say uh you wouldn't be able to be on the american made index because you would be below uh some minimum inventory and, and sales thresholds so Thank we you. do have a we do have a baseline such that the uh the lamborghini example well, it's built in Italy, so it wouldn't yes, make it, it was, wouldn't make it anyway. But yes, but 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 as far as that example, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be on on the list. And uh, and so there's a there's a handful of cars, very low volume vehicles that weren't included, um, even though they are built in the United States. Gotcha. And what? so yeah, to, that that's that's a that's a consideration we kind of had from the get go that you know uh, we we want to um, we want to make sure that we're not. Uh, that the list stays relevant for people to actually find cars that are that are substantially out there for sale, and so yeah, to your point, uh, there is a cutoff. I see the Corvettes like number eight, and the Tesla X is nine. So, do you know the volumes of those two cars? Uh, we have we have information on that. Uh, I can't share all of them, but uh, but yeah, we do have particular sales volumes that we uh, we get from the um, from the OEMs. Okay, because I thought yeah, I thought even uh, Tesla didn't didn't release that stuff, but you get it from the the manu- the uh, equipment manufacturers of various parts. Yeah, we have uh, we have conversations with the OEMs, and we have uh, and we get um, sourcing that. Unfortunately, we can't share all of. Uh, to the public in this. Uh, okay, we're done. Too many secrets. <laughs> too many well, secrets. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, good for you guys. That's that's uh, uh, invest- good investigative reporting, so to speak. Uh, I I I triggered a, it triggered a thought of four or five years ago um, writing a, a review, just a straightforward review of a, a Volvo car that I had, and I really liked it. And um, I got you know some positive feedback, but I got two or three. Um, scathing emails about how dare I write uh, car reviews about a company that's owned, uh, a Swedish company that's owned by a Chinese man, a Chinese company. And we all, you know hmm. better than I do that, you know, uh, Volvo's still made in, in um, Sweden, but it's owned by Geely. And this woman yep. said, 
um, you know, you're you're doing an injustice to the public by uh, the ruse of you telling us about Swedish manufacturers. And I, I don't pretend to be the expert that you are, but I wrote back and I said, you can look on the Moroni sticker and see that, you know, this car is still built in Scandinavia and um, you're wrong. And, you know, I don't always lash out at people who write because they've taken the time to write and that means they're actually reading something, which is great. But in that particular uh, example, Kelsey, do you have people that, that you've had experience with who say, I just will not buy a car because I don't like um, German, English, Chinese, Japanese. I don't like where cars are built because they're doing a disservice to mankind. Sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, we, we surveyed we surveyed about 1,000 U.S. consumers uh, right in the throes of, of COVID-19 yes. um, regarding the index. And about 7 out of 10 said, you know, they really consider a car's U.S. local kind of economic contributions um, – to be to be important in their purchase decision from you know somewhat important all the way up to you know a deciding factor of the car they choose to buy yes and and there's there's even more of an undercurrent of that now i think you know we we went further and we said you know amid all the kind of economic uh, disruption of covid um ha- has this really created um more of an impetus to buy an american-made car or has it created less of an impetus to buy one? I mean, you know, maybe for some reason, maybe people might think the opposite. 37% said it had gone up. Uh, only 4% said it had gone down. So clearly an undercurrent there of kind of wanting people wanting to support their local uh, economy. A couple of things I would mention to Please. your exchange about with this with this woman. Um, interestingly, I, I, the, the examples I would like to bring up are, you know, the Buicks built in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Envision is built in China. There's a couple Buicks, uh, small SUVs. I believe the Encore and the Encore GX are built in uh, South Korea. So, you know, I mean, the uh, automakers are investing across the globe. We, we live in a very global industry. Yes. And for, th- for all the examples of, you know, cars that are from other countries that are far away, whether it's a Ford Echo Sport built in India or, you know, Buick Envision built in China or something like that. There's far more cars that are simply just built in Canada or Mexico. Yes. Gotcha. I okay. mean, I mean, there's a ton of, there's a ton of cars and, and auto parts that come in from Canada and Mexico. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's, we do, we do live in a globalized auto industry, but, but also the, the, if not majority, a, a very large chunk of the cars that are imported that we buy and, and the car parts that come into the cars that are even assembled here are coming from, you know, our next door neighbors. Yes. So, Kelsey, there's something like 350 available vehicles in uh, in the U.S. And I wonder yeah, so, how many are built here or assembled here, so, I guess okay, is the word. So, so here's here's... Here's the breakdown. We looked at it, and we looked at you know class one and class two vehicles, so up to you know gross vehicle weight ratings of ten thousand pounds. So we're okay. not counting semi trucks and stuff, right? Right. These are these are passenger vehicles, uh, and we found three hundred and sixty three vehicles okay. for sale in the models for sale in the United States for the twenty twenty model year. Um, that counts hybrids and full hybrids and plug-in variants as separate vehicles, as we've always done in the American-made index. So, you know, the Camry and the Camry Hybrid are two cars here, even though to the to many consumers, they would be kind of one nameplate. So there's 363 there. Of that group, uh, 239 by our count are fully imported. So no U.S. production. Uh, there's 33 cars that are uh, 
built here but didn't make the index for one reason or another. And then there's 91 vehicles ranked in the index. And so you have about 124, 124, give or t- yeah, yeah, actually, exactly, 124 cars um, that are built in the United States. Again, class one and class two, uh, and 239 that are imported. So that's kind of that's kind of your lay of the land. And then people think, well, gosh, it sounds like you know two thirds of the cars are are imported when you just look at those numbers. Yeah, but car companies tend to actually build more local than you might think. Uh, we looked at first quarter retail, um, predominantly retail, I should say, uh, then distributions across hundreds of thousands of cars uh, that go through cars.com. We found 51% are built in the United States. So slightly over half of, of vehicles sold here are also built here. Um, consumers actually take a much dimmer view of that. You know, when we surveyed people, how many cars do you think, what percentage of vehicles bought here are built here? Only about one out of four actually kind of landed in that ballpark when we gave them some multiple choice buckets to pick. Uh, 40% of consumers thought that actually, you know, like less than a third of vehicles bought here are also built here. So, so it's, it's really striking the percentage of consumers who take a particularly dim view of kind of U.S. manufacturing. Uh, at least in terms of auto production. It looks like there's, a, yeah, it, it, I'm surprised. We got Michigan, Illinois, California, Alabama. There, there's a lot of cars being assembled here. Yeah, 14 states. Uh, 14, have, have okay. Auto assembly, yeah. What, yeah. What, what comes to mind is, and this, I, I'm naive on this, so help help me along. Is it fair or not fair to say if you're a car manufacturer and you have your cars assembled uh, in more than one country, that the quality control of those people who are assembling the cars may vary. So, are there people who say, "I'm not going to buy that car because I understand it's assembled in Mexico or China or North Korea, and um, the quality control of those people who are assembling the car is not what it would be in the United States, or vice versa? I'm buying the car in Japan because I know that their workforce." takes pride in what they do and it's assembled better in Japan than it is in the United States. Uh, do you have some feeling or some thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I would, I would point you to the, uh, ju- the, the just released earlier today, the initial quality study from JD power. They yes. actually, yeah, I just, I just, uh, tuned into their, to their presentation and there was some Q and a with reporters and stuff. And you know, the, the quality awards that go to plants based on the number of problems that owners are having in terms of just vehicle defects yes. uh, from vehicles in the, in the first few months of ownership. Uh, it's stunning. I mean, the, the quality that's coming from a lot of these plants is just world class, and there are plants all over the world. Yes. I mean, there's plants in, in kind of, you know, parts of Asia that you wouldn't think had plants, you know, Turkey and stuff that, that have really good, high-quality cars coming out of them. And so just from a data standpoint, from J.D. Power's data, I don't want to claim it as my own insight here. Sure. J.D. Power and what they're saying, it does seem like there's a pretty even playing field now in terms of quality, at least initial quality, from cars coming across, uh, coming from a wide, wide range of plants um, across our planet. Thank it's you. amazing what it, the quality is now versus 40 years ago. I mean, it was, it was total junk yeah. compared to anything produced nowadays. I just noticed uh, when you well, mentioned JD. In, in quick aside, I'm sorry, Kelsey, to interrupt you, but sure, uh, no, go D- ahead. Dodge, <laughs> Dodge got its first uh, gold star today, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 in a he long time. Dodge at the very, at the very, at the very top. 
You know, interesting about that study. Uh, it's it's been um, it's been a it's been a period of time now that they've kind of seemingly more emphasized this. But a lot of the problems consumers see aren't necessarily things that are breaking. They're just things that are hard to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, with electronics and all. That's yeah. right. Sixty they, some they, odd they things on average, them. and yeah. people don't know how to use them. So. And I'm included yeah, in, those, yeah. in that group of people that, you know, you have a car to review and it's got 70 technology features and probably 40 I don't know what to do with. So uh, You don't understand it? I don't so understand you, it. You rank so them I, down. You rank sure. them down, yeah. So I, I interrupted you, you which, know, Go ahead. Well, no, no. I, I, I just, just I, I'm with you right there. I mean, we always harp on, you know, automakers. We review tons of cars every year, just about sure. every, every new model out there. You know, uh, it's amazing not to go too far down the rabbit trail, but it's a fun one to go down. It's 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 amazing how many automakers kind of dabble in in taking a bunch of what used to be kind of physical knobs and buttons and simpler controls and just throwing them into these elaborate touch screens oh, or, or uh, touch sensitive panels, capacitive touch panels where you just kind of have to hover your hand over something and, and get the temperature to change or get the volume to change or something. Yeah. And and we always we always become very grouchy about it. And what was what was really interesting to hear from JD Power is that we're not alone. Consumers kind of feel the exact same way. You bet. Yeah, I don't like that. And and you know they zeroed in for a moment in the study about how, in response to to a question, they they talked about how uh, you know people really just want a physical knob sometimes, and and taking everything and throwing it into into a touchscreen menu or or having a touch touch sensitive part of the dashboard you got to touch to use it doesn't always work out so well in, in the way back machine i always say bruce laughs at me and as do other friends get me my rambler american pretty quick here and i'd be very happy <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> kelsey going back to your the cars.com what has been sure. uh, in in what has it been a week or two now uh, what has been some of the reaction whether it's from people inside the industry or the consumers uh, or consumers from the latest um, discovery that you guys have had with Tesla being three cars in, in the top 10 and, and so on and so forth. What kind of feedback have you had? You know, pretty good. I mean, we've only had it out for about a day now. But Oh, uh, I thought it was longer so than that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. no. It's, it's been, uh, it's, it's, you know, typical of, typical of, of folks on, uh, on social media. You find a lot of people kind of saying, well, this, this proves my car is better than yours or whatever. But yes. I, I think overall there's been a, a pretty high degree of respect for the, for the data that went in and, um, and the outcome being, you know, a full, a full pretty, again, <laughs> keep going back to that word robust, a yes. pretty robust list of cars. You know, uh, there's, there's every year we do this, there would always be a lot of people kind of clamoring for, well, okay, so you got to the 10th car, you got to the 15th car. What about, what was after that? We'd always have to explain it. You know, the, the, the index really, that is the index, you know, the index is 10 cars, the index is 15 cars. And so we finally, you know, back at the beginning of, uh, well, late, it would have been Q4 of last year as we were kind of planning this out for this year. We thought, you know, we really need to, we, we, we need to, to change, we need to basically tweak it such that we can do the full list, and that required some, you know, some substantial changes, such that the 2020 results, unfortunately, cannot be compared to the 2019 results. But uh, going forward, we hope this sets the table for uh, a pretty good conversation, um, comparing kind of where cars are. And and again, it's it's a little bit of a benchmark study. There's not there's not a lot of 
a, a car is a car is only going to rank so much as the cars around it rank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot a lot of the data is kind of inherently comparative between different cars, and so uh, so that's so you'll see a little bit of um, you you should see some pretty good movements uh, between different cars depending what automakers do year to year. Right. Uh, Kelsey, there's so much that goes into the manufacture and assembly of an automobile. You know, there's the parts. It could be drivetrains. It could be the electronics. It could be the wiring, um, putting it together, what, the design. What, what do you think? What are the Americans? What are they, what's old Yankees good at, would you say, you know, um, as far as what we do best? What's our best parts? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of really broad spectrum. I mean, there's so many plants here that make all kinds of parts for vehicles. You see, you know, there's some battery production here now, and that didn't used to be the case. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, even electronic parts that used to be the province of other countries that are um, that that are even some of that's even coming here. You know, it's it's supply chains are are so complicated. You really go down you really go deep into a supply chain and you find, you know, the widgets for this or that, or they, they come from um, plants or areas that can be scattered pretty far away from wherever the final assembly is. Uh, that said, you know, there tend to be more, uh, there tends to be somewhat, some closer proximity for kind of major components to wherever, wherever the parts are really kind of going into the final assembly of the car. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I I guess I'm not answering your question all that well, but uh, no, I was just it thinking. Seems like there's, yeah, no, it seems like there's there's a pretty broad broad spectrum skill set of uh, what U.S. manufacturers have become capable of. Kelsey, uh, 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 kind of a journalistic question, and and uh, maybe a little bit of a curveball here. I can't use a car analogy. I don't know what a car analogy would be to this question, but. Um, Print publications, uh, online publications, cars.com, uh, a publica- small publication like mine uh, online. Um, do Is it fair to say or is it relevant that people are trying to still influence you on how you come to the conclusions of your studies? Uh, as far as the American-made index, no. There's there's a lot of corroboration we have to do with automakers to make sure we get all the information correct. Yes. Uh, there's probably a lot a lot of folks at, in the OEM community who've uh, lost meaningful hours of, of sleep or recreational <laughs> time because yes. we keep bothering them about about getting to the bottom of just hundreds of data points uh, yes. for each for each one in many cases. Uh, but yeah, we've never been there's never been any attempt uh, in the history of this index to to um, wield influence over us. Yeah, it's worth mentioning, you know, we're, we're uh, among the few organizations still out there that, that has, and I say this as, you know, it, somebody who feels very fortunate to be in this position. We're one of the few organizations out there that still, uh, you know, pays our own way on, on press trips and stuff uh, yes. and, and has a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty strong stance of independence uh, that's uh, fairly, fairly well-known within the industry now. So, you know, I, I'm asking because, you know, as a, as a small player, Bruce and I are small players, um, you know, we're, we're doing fine and we like it and we have some advertisers and so forth on, on my website. But, sure. um, the, the way that things are, um, labeled as advertorial or, uh, sponsored post and so forth, that's always curious oh, to yeah. me. And, and, um, it's the same as a newspaper, you know, I can recall a time when, 
you know, a big advertiser would, would pull its ads um, without putting any names to it because, um, you know, a car wasn't reviewed as they wanted it to be. And all of a sudden, you know, a million dollar advertising revenue was pulled out of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or cars.com. That's not a good example. But you know yeah, what I'm getting yeah. at, that the automobile sure. industry, we all get wined and dined. And, and you guys, um, thank you for mentioning that you guys, you know, you pay your way. You pay your way. And um, when I get invited or we get invited to places, you know, we we know what I think we know that, um, you know, somebody who would come to me and say, hey, you have to say this 25 times in your review. You know, I would never go back. But I also know that. But the fact that I've been invited is um, something that they know and I know. And, and you have to gauge where you are in the world sometimes you know it's i don't want to get too heavy-handed and maybe i am but the automotive industry is pretty ripe with uh influencers <laughs> let's put it that way on both sides yeah 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 no absolutely and 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 it's um you know it's it's uh it's unfortunate in one sense but it is what it is and 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 we're fortunate to have a, a very high wall uh built between uh between editorial and and advertising and marketing and and uh you know the folks at the top really respect that and so we're a we're a, a very independent team entirely independent team of uh of journalists uh at our group who who uh yeah we, we don't we're, we're fortunate not to be under any influence from the other side even though you know like you said yeah we've had uh we've had particularly on the dealer side we've had um things pulled and stuff over over our content uh and um yeah, that's just kind of the nature of it. Right. Sorry to go off on the tangent, but I was just thinking about it. Hope no, you, no. Hope you don't mind. Yeah. Um, if I'm a consumer, as a, a taking it in a different direction, uh, direction. If I'm a consumer and I've read this uh, latest um, information, the data points that you guys have, as a consumer, um, in general terms, why is why is this important to me? Well, I think it's important for for a few reasons. It gets back at. Uh, at, at our survey data, I mean, that 70% really say that, you know, this, this matters, um, mm -hmm. this matters at least somewhat. Uh, but there's still a lot of confusion around, there's still a lot of confusion around where the information is available and, and, and what to do about it after that. I mean, there's cars that are built in the U S that even though their final assembly is somewhere in the U S they, they actually are built predominantly with, uh, parts that aren't from the U S and uh, and so you get kind of down that road, and um, and then you're and then you're buying a car that might have been built here, but you're not necessarily buying a car that's been built here with a lot of parts from here. And so I, the consumers are 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 rightfully confused about all this, and that's where we really have come in and tried to um, get through all the data and look at you know what's what's kind of more more American by our judgment versus versus maybe less American versus somewhere in between. And, uh, you know, in our surveys, we, we try to ask, we try to get a, you know, our, if you had better access to kind of a streamlined form of information about how American a car might be, uh, would that help you in your decision? Would you appreciate that? And an overwhelming majority say, yes, that would be great. <laughs> perfect, perfect <laughs> yeah. answer. Thank you for that. That's what I was, I was yeah, confused yeah. with there's, myself there's a little clearly bit. clearly a need. Yeah, there's, there's clearly a need, and I can get you the exact percentage. It's not on the top of my head, but it's a clear majority that say yes. This, if if we had access to a a clear form of information about you know what is what is perhaps a, a more American car versus a less American car, 
that would be helpful. <laughs> yes. I, I could see the consumers saying, you know, what's more uh, American than a Chrysler Pacifica and apple pie? Well, wait a minute. You know, a Honda Odyssey right. is higher on the index. So right. buy the Japanese car. Right, right, right. Exactly. Kelsey, uh, we could right. spend all day with you because um, obviously you have great expertise. Um, but we appreciate the time today. We'll follow up with you, of course. Sure. But we want to thank uh, Kelsey May, senior editor at Cars.com. If you go to Cars.com, you, I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible. You're going to waste a lot of time for all the good reasons because it's a very comprehensive <laughs> site. So, well, can, can, uh, I, can I leave you with one with one final? Of thought? course, you can. Absolutely. Yeah, well, whenever you see a list of 91 cars, there's a temptation to think of the 91st car as kind of the loser, right? Yes. And, and so we want to caution against that. And the reason is it goes back to, you know, those 363 cars. There's, there's about 240 of them that are fully imported, so those didn't even make the list. And so even when you get down to the 91st car, that's still, by our judgment, more American-made than the, the 239 I should say that are that are fully imported. But even when you're buying one of those imported cars, um, that doesn't mean you're not doing anything for for the U.S. economy, for your local economy. Um, yes, there's about eight hundred thirty thousand Americans employed building cars and their parts in the country. But there's one point three million employed selling those cars at dealerships, and so really you're still helping the biggest part of the pie by you know simply buying a car at a dealership, and so that's that's kind of another component to think about just in terms of, uh, of economic contributions. It's, it's not, it's, it's not as simple as some folks might think. Now, of course, we want to look at the full value chain of, in our, in our kind of assessment for the American made index, but, but you know, there's economic contributions can come from a lot of different things. Yes. I always kind of thought of myself as a numbers guy and stats guy, but I'm, uh, I'm bowing to you because you have a tremendous amount of stats and numbers uh, off the top of your head. So, so thank you for all that. Um, again, uh, Bruce, anything final from you? The worst thing you could do is go to Germany to pick up your uh, Porsche. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> as far as American. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, Kelsey, thanks again for, for being a guest on the Weekly Driver podcast. Please visit my site, uh, theweeklydriver.com. Please visit cars.com. We have about 100 and almost 140 episodes now archived on my site, and the podcast is available on all the major podcast outlets um, around. And uh, please have a listen. And um, thanks again, Kelsey, for being our Thank guest you, today. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Okay. Cheers. Bye now. Bye.